that if one story can help one person pursue their passion or help one person get up, if one, it helps one person understand, oh, that one moment or, oh, I should pick that up again, even if it has nothing to do with filmmaking or if it has everything to do with filmmaking. have a drink of choice i do what is your drink of choice my drink today is uh, an espresso over ice with some oat milk what's your drink that's today? wonderful i have two drinks i have one um big glass of water with a splash of polko from france so there's this um french brand polko with it's just like a conserved what do you call it? Conserved? I don't even know. Concentrated um, lemon juice thing. That's what I have oh. in my water. And then I actually have a gin and tonic because we are in different time zones. <laughs> and it is almost 8 p.m. here, I believe. Let me double check the time. 7.14 p.m. And so I have a gin and tonic with Tanqueray gin which is my second favorite gin, which makes me sound like a gin snob. It's snobbing. And uh, a royal tonic water, which you can just get at the grocery store. But yeah, those are my two drinks of choice today. I should probably have had a glass of water as well, but... Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm really ready? nervous. You're nervous? Yeah, I'm super nervous. Okay, so <clears throat> welcome everybody to In Her Lens. This week is something a little bit different because my sister is here. As you may have heard. Hi, Paula. Hello. <laughs> Paula is my younger sister. She's 21. She lives in New York. She's also an actress, a fantastic yeah. one at that. And I asked her to, um, and I asked a bunch of listeners actually, but I had spoken to Paula about what I really wanted to do for the end of this season. And I've had so many questions personally about creating the podcast and what it has meant and how it came to be, etc. And that is how this idea came about. And so I asked Paula to prep an interview with me and I'm really nervous about it, <laughs> but I'm going to hand the reins over. So the reins are now in your hands, Paula. Thank you so much. All right. I thought I wanted to start off with asking you some rapid fire questions <laughs> as you like to do with the people that you interview, just so the listeners can kind of get to know you a little bit uh, on a basic level. So here we go. You have to answer immediately. Okay. Ready? I am ready. <laughs> okay. Baking or cooking? Oh gosh. Cooking. Beach or mountain? Beach. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Movie or TV show? Movie. Sneakers or boots? Sneakers, for sure. Summer or winter? Um, summer, for this sure. I don't, I don't know why I just hesitated. Definitely summer. Pool or the sea? The sea. Red or white? Oh my gosh, red? April spritz or GNT? GNT. Driving or biking? Driving. Chocolate or strawberry? <laughs> Actually, um, strawberry. Vanilla. <laughs> Vanilla. No, but uh, wait, are we talking about the fruit or are we talking about the flavor? Who knows? Oh, it's well, if it's flavoring chocolate, if it's like eating chocolate or eating strawberries, definitely strawberries. Oh, it was flavor. It was flavor. Oh, then chocolate. Okay. Amsterdam or New York City? New York City. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, love both though. Yes. Sunflower or rose? that's hard that's really hard i really like both um i don't know i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with rose they are they are very different they are very different different moods hey well those were my rapid fire questions very fun well i thought i wanted to kind of start with some um no never mind okay <laughs> this is so funny uh, this is a really funny experience first of all being interviewed but also just paula is this is your first interview or interviewing somebody so bear with us as we figure this out it is my first time interviewing someone how how is your day paula thus far how's your day been let's start there yeah Tell us my the day. honest truth about where you're at Why right are you now. Being media? You shouldn't be asking me anything. I'm asking you the question. We're setting so, the scene. We We're setting the scene. Well, 
I'm here in my little bedroom in Brooklyn, New York, and my day thus far has been very good. I just had a burrito, which was delicious, and after this, I'll be going to my work. How has your day been thus far? I've had an okay day. You know, I'm in uh, in Amsterdam, in in Oost, and um, I went to work today in Hofdorp, which is where I work, which is outside of Amsterdam. Came home and walked the dogs, two dogs. We have two dogs, Jackson and Mila. And I walked them and now I'm here. Had a sandwich for lunch, which was great. Very Dutch of you. Very Dutch. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about yourself, maybe share a little bit about how you grew up, how we grew up, what our family was like, um, and what led you to become an actress and what led you to be interested in the arts? Um, yeah, we can, I can share a little bit and we can chat a little bit about, um, both our parents are Dutch. Um, we did not grow up remotely close to where our parents, um, are from. Um, our dad got sent abroad for work. And so I am the eldest and I was born in South Africa in Durban, uh, Westville to be precise. And I lived there for the first two and a half years of my life. And I was joined in the last six months by you, Paula. Oh, yeah. And um, I remember flashes. I don't remember a ton from that time, obviously, because I was a baby. Then we moved to Singapore, which is where we were joined by Carlos, our little brother. We lived there for about four years. And then we moved to Oman, which is um, in the Middle East. And we lived there for another four and a half years. Then we moved to Dubai, which is right up the road. Lived there for three. Then we moved to Texas, Houston, Texas. And uh, I lived there for two years. Our family continued to live there for five or six, I think. I did the IB, uh, which is the International Baccalaureate. And um, that was a heavy (laughs) high school program, but it's the same across the world, which is why our parents chose to put us in international school. And I think international school really shaped the the person that I am today. Um, It was academically hard and challenging, but um, there was a lot of space and a lot of values at the IB. Ask, require, teach you. And uh, those things... Were re- there were certain values that that program um, prioritized, um, which I'm trying to remember now. We had to memorize the IB learner profile. Do you remember the IB learner profile? It yeah, was being uh, inquiring, knowledgeable, caring. Um, risk taker. A risk taker. To- That's true. Uh, <laughs> trying to remember what the rest was, but there were certain values that really prioritized community, um, self-respect, respect for others. In my last year of high school, I really decided that acting and the arts were something that I wanted to pursue. I think moving around as much as we did and experiencing so many different sides of the world and growing up in really close knit communities, whether it was our family, um, the five of us, or um, close group of friends, meeting people in different uh, postings um, that I was in class with when I was in Singapore, and then I met them again in Houston, things like that really um, made me fall in love with people and people's stories and that there were so many people in the world and we were all so much more alike than um, we think maybe and that we might know with our own thoughts and emotions and experiences. Uh, But what makes people human is universal. And I think I was really inspired and passionate about sharing stories, whether it was my own stories or other people's stories. I think that also moving around so much, I really wanted to share the stories that I had experienced or seen or heard in one posting with the next. And trying to find that um, connection was really hard at times. And I think the arts allows for uh, that kind of communication, whether it's you telling somebody else's story or you supporting in the telling of another person's story. And that is really what made me fall in love with the arts in the first place. And it was always a safe space for me. I started going to um, acting classes at a really young age because I loved theater. And my mom told me I was very, everyone told my mom I was very loud. I still am today. <laughs> theater was just a place that I um, could really be myself, felt there was no judgment because we were always taught to be a yes and, (laughs) which is an um, improv term. And I think that that really 
molded me to want to be an artist and to provide that same safe space uh, to other people. And so acting was this place where I could and pursue the storytelling and be myself. And that's when I decided to apply to universities for that. And I ended up going to the new school in New York City in 2015. Yes, you did. Yes, I did. It's interesting that you, um, that you talk about wanting to share other people's stories or support people in telling their stories, which because you can only, you know, do so much. Um, because I feel like that's what you've really done with this platform as well. You've found a way to give other people the microphone, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Really amazing. Like, and, and how did you come up with that concept? What led you to creating In Her Lens? In Her Lens, um, In Her Lens is something that has been brewing for a very long time for me in very different ways. When I was in university, uh, in my first year, uh, I went to a lot of film festivals because I loved going to the movies. Movies, especially in New York, it was like so busy. It was so busy outside, and to go to a movie theater and sit in that to me, it was a truly a safe place. I loved. It was like my happy place. Uh, I loved I just after <laughs> class. Thinking right now, just how much it like brightens you and lightens you up. And I have to just jump in here and say that it is because of you as well that it has become my happy place because. <laughs> I used to, you know, not love going to the movies as a kid. I found it, I found it scary. Um, That's true. For yeah. And now I go like twice a week, like, and living in this city, it is exactly what you say. It is like a place of calm. It's just so nice to be able to drop out of your world for a split second and just be, you know, just forget yeah. about your own trouble, I guess. Um, totally, totally. But- I mean, I think I also definitely used it as like an escape for if I was really busy or if I had had a rough day, um, I would always go see a movie and I started going to a lot of movies alone. And then I started going to a lot of film festivals and um, films really became something that I held deeply of value in my day-to-day experience. Um, and I wonder, I started wondering how I would tell stories and I started taking film classes and I noticed I was in film class with a lot of women, but a lot of my film classes were taught by, uh, male identifying teachers, which there is absolutely nothing wrong with. And some of them are today, some of my closest mentors and the whole reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, but I did wonder where a lot, if 90% of my class was a female. Um, Where were those people going Um, when I was looking at the industry and when I was looking at the box office numbers, when I was looking at the people on the bigger, bigger podiums getting nominated and winning, I didn't see the same amount of equal gender representation. And that's not even to touch on people who are gender non-conforming. I started questioning how my work might be interpreted or received differently. Also at this time, everything with Harvey Weinstein was coming out and Me Too um, exploded once again. Uh, All of these musings, I guess, started to take form and I really wanted to take action. I really wanted to do something. As a person, I'm really passionate about um, equity and about inclusion, about diversity, about social justice. These are things that I carry very close to me as something that I really want to continue to pursue and educate myself on and uh, educate the communities that I am a part of on. And I found kind of a niche that I wanted to explore and focus on, which was representation of behind the camera specifically. So it started off as an idea of a monthly meeting that I asked a bunch of people to be part of it. And then uni got really heavy and I couldn't pursue it. And it just took a back burner for a long time. And I actually had the name in her lens way before I had the idea of what it would ever be. I was sitting on the plane and I had actually just watched, um, this is, I think the real spark. I had, I had gone to South by Southwest in Austin with a really good friend of mine, Lamin Leroy Gibba. And uh, this was in 2018, I believe. No, sorry, 2019, South by Southwest. And we went and we saw this film called Greener Grass by Jocelyn DeBoer and um, Don Luby. And it completely just (laughs) tore me apart. It's hilarious. It's fantastic. I was so obsessed with these women. I saw that movie three times at the film festival. 
Um, I kept going back to all the different screenings. It impressed me so much. I needed to talk to the people who created it. And that is really how the idea of In Her Lens was born. I saw that film. I saw those women I wanted to share with myself and therefore also with other people how something like that is created. And that's when I came up with the idea for a podcast. I was a huge podcaster at the time in terms of listening on the subway. I had a 45 to an hour commute as New York subways function to, uh, to university. And so I was listening to a lot of podcasts and that is when I was like, you know what, I need to contact the women and I interviewed them and I shared the interview with my classmates and it never ended up making it onto the podcast today, but it was the spark that led to, to inner lens forming. And then Corona hit last year. I graduated uni. I moved on. I worked. It was, I didn't have time to figure it out. I didn't have time to figure out how I could even create a podcast. And then when Corona hit, I went back to the Netherlands for two weeks, I thought at the time. And um, here we are almost two years later. I'm still here. But I finally had the space to um, pursue what is a passion project. And that is how In Her Lens was born. And I'm very grateful to Greener Grass. And I'm very, mostly very grateful to South by Southwest, actually, because a lot of the people that are on the first season of this podcast are actually people that I had met slashed watched films of at that South by Southwest. It's definitely interesting what you're saying about, you know, Corona giving you the space to bring this project to life and to actually do it. Well, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very honored to have kind of been there with you in the Netherlands over Corona when you started making this project. Yeah, it was really fun. Or Okay. So obviously, and this is the baseline Corona, um, is one of the most or COVID-19 outbreak devastating. I mean, there's so many things to say about that and it is still happening and there are so many lives lost and the world has completely shifted and how we were always talking about like going back to normal, we are completely reinventing how we function in the world and things that seem so normal before are no longer normal. However, um, that as baseline, I think um, the COVID-19 crisis for me personally gave me opportunity and I'm very grateful to reconnect with my family. I had obviously been in New York for five and a half years. And although I'd seen you and you had lived in London and uh, our brother was back in the Netherlands with our parents, they had moved back, um, I think also in 2018. And um, Corona gave us the chance <laughs> which in the beginning was really fun. And then at one point, oh, very yeah. dramatic to all be in one house together, the five of us. And um, there are many uh, things that I'm very grateful for that Corona um, made space for with, with the lockdown and reminded me, and Corona really reminded me of, of certain things that, I've, that I value. And so with the baseline of it um, being one of the most devastating things, I'm very grateful to have been with my family during that time. Definitely. I mean, it's, it's, yes, it's, it was so eye-opening, I think, in many ways to what is most important in life. And I think obviously yeah. with all the social movements that happened, um, it's one of the most uprooting times. COVID-19 in its uprooting um, forced me to confront my own roots. Being in the Netherlands, for an extended period of time for the first time in my life, being back with my family, being with my siblings, uh, being out of work, being away from my friends, from the day-to-day reality that I had before. Um, I'm still today, it has not been easy in terms of personally confronting those roots or the the non-roots that I have uh, or finding where they are rooted and, and bringing value to that. But as COVID-19 forced us all to confront many things. I wanted to ask you some of my questions before I move on to some questions that your listeners have sent me. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite movie, Nadine? This is such a... An interest, a difficult, this is such a difficult question. I don't even ask this on my podcast because I don't think I, I don't think there is a favorite movie. There are times when I'm really in the mood for one thing or really in the mood for another thing. Um, I do have a list of movies that I um, really fuck with and that I want to watch again and again. 
and movies that have fundamentally shifted me as an artist. So those movies include Black Swan, Darren Aronofsky, Moonlight, Barry Jenkins, um, Greener Grass, let me think, uh, Happy as Lazaro by Alice Rawwaller. I've already mentioned her name once on the podcast, but I think I keep butchering it. So I'm sorry, Alice, if I am. Um, For Sama is a documentary. And I'm looking at my list right now. I have a list in my phone. Do you feel like there is something about these movies that, like what made you put them on the list? I'm really interested in films that are highly specific. I think that more, this is something that I got from my acting training that bleeds into filmmaking as well is the more personal the more universal and i think that that is the incredible opportunity of 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 uh, representation as well is the more specific and the more personal the stories are the more we can all relate to it it's we all relate to um, similar emotions and feelings and experiences. And although I have not experienced that one thing, finding what I have experienced in somebody else's story ties us all together. It's like the story, um, it's like all Greek theater. It's so highly specific, yet the emotions that cut through those storylines and the relationships that cut through that um make us relate to it make us confront um our own um uh thoughts and um experiences and um i think that these movies that i mentioned earlier they are all highly specific and although very different they um provide a lot of space in the specificity for relation and um interesting you say that because um i think that's something that i really took away as well going to drama school and studying this because of course you are as you know as well like you have a repertoire in a way that you have to study like you have to say shakespeare greeks um yeah we did like the medieval mystery plays like things that <laughs> yeah are just not relevant anymore medieval mystery plays were performed on pageants back in the day and they were obviously very religious yeah and they're you know they're religious stories and it's 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 not that it's not relevant anymore but a lot of this might feel very far away from our present day society and our lives now Mm -hmm. and that's a huge conversation even at drama schools with like should we even be studying this material not the classics as much but you know, Chekhov or just things that it might seem outdated. Right. Um, but the beauty is that even if you can't relate to what it's like to be this wealthy family living in the countryside, um, whose problems are all very, can feel very superficial. You know, I'm thinking of uh, the seagull, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, even though something can feel very far away, it is what, as you are saying, it is surprising how affected you can be by something that can feel very removed from yourself. Yeah, definitely. Simply because we all have, yeah, we all do experience the same emotions. That's why I, as a, uh, you know, white straight woman can go see Call Me By Your Name and cry in the theater. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, because there are parts of that that we all understand, mm-hmm. um, feelings, experiences so I just wanted to yeah I think I I relate to what you're saying but there's also a fine line of the importance of diversity and representation yeah in terms of um representation and the universal universality is that even a word the universal nature of specific storytelling and specific um let's talk about the seagull for example like or let's talk about drama school repertoire because it is so highly important that when, if you are, if you are doing Chekhov, that you also look at 
all the work that was created at that same time in different parts of the world, right? Why is one thing valued over another? And I think that that is where that discussion happens. And that is where drama schools have a lot of work to do. Yes. Are yeah, currently functioning not in, in a, um, there is so much more opportunity. And I think that now, um, slowly as we're seeing with certain films and certain plays, um, uh, skyrocketing, uh, and doing really well is that we are missing so much incredible work that we can learn so much from. And why should we only study Chekhov? We should also study other things that were happening at that time. And I think that that is really important. And I think as specific Chekhov, there are 10 other things that are as, as specific that we can all learn from. Um, and I think that there's ample opportunity for drama schools to take the reins. You should look at the other thing because we're all coming from different pla- like from different backgrounds, different places. Yeah. Nobody the same and, and, and nobody can relate to anything in the same way. I'm also wondering now as you're talking about like this want to share other people's stories and to create space, did you ever consider working behind the camera instead of as an actor? Because obviously as, a, you, as an actor, you can only be who you are and bring what you are um, to characters, but there might be more space behind, behind the lens. Yeah, um, definitely. I am. Um, that's definitely something that I think all of these realizations came, um, in my uni years. And I think that, um, when I was younger, I, as much as I loved being a part of the action, I also was really interested in the organization of action. Like, my mom, mm-hmm. I would all, my mom was always like, Nadina's always directing the room. You're very always. bossy, Nadine. Apparently, I'm very <laughs> bossy, but that is <laughs> something that I'm working on actively. But um, I was always rearranging the room. Uh, like, my room was always looking a little bit different. I love party planning. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, like that, <laughs> that I, I really enjoy doing. And, um, but I had no knowledge that, that, there was this whole world behind the camera because I think one thing when you are not in the arts is that you go to a play and you see the actors, right? Those are the people that are representing the industry to the average person or the average consumer and not average as in like mediocre, but just the, or the, the person who is attending these, these things that is not in the industry. And I realized when I got older that actors have very little say and that the um, creation and the uh, the decisions are made very, very elsewhere. However, I was not really um, as much uh, informed about that. So I started doing a lot of my own research, started taking a lot of different classes, um, but different aspects of, of the, both the theater and the film industry. And uh, that's really when I fell in love with the behind the scenes as well. And the... Um, the creative um autonomy that you have in uh, in certain roles and uh i definitely uh am very passionate about creating work that i'm also not physically a part of and uh things like producing uh assistant directing um those are also really incredible opportunities to be a part of storytelling have you felt inspired by uh by by people that you've interviewed to pick up those those other passions and to try that side of it. Yeah, for Slash, sure. Then I'm also wondering, are there specific people or specific interviews that inspired you the most? I think all of them are very unique or like unique in a different way because I think one priority I have with the with the podcast really is is reaching and um, getting people on from very different backgrounds with very different ways of working and different kind of work, whether it's a documentary or comedy or drama or web series, these are all very different experiences. So each one of the episodes is inspiring and interesting to me in a different way. I think that recently I've been in contact with a lot of composers and I am a very, very big music fan. And I think uh, we also grew up going to a lot of different music classes. We both grew up singing. We both uh, grew up playing piano, though me a little bit longer than you. (laughs) I gave that up. 
And um, it was never something that I was as, it wasn't like my my biggest like talent or something like that, but um, it is something that I'm very interested in. So I've been become really fascinated with the composing process. And although I don't see myself ever doing that, but um, not for lack of interest, <laughs> but for lack of skill. Dina is always sending me playlists. Well, oh, two, morning, oh, three, very carefully composed. <laughs> but um, no, that's definitely so interesting. And editing, for example, like I, um, went at uni, I started taking different uh, film and creative technology classes. And that is really, I edit this podcast alone and, and um, I've really fallen for the technical side of, of both theater and filmmaking. Um, and just the interest so editing and cinematography both like the hands-on creating and molding of image feels like a very different uh creative expression and it kind of involves more of the logical side so i kind of get my like academic like nitty-gritty needs and learning um i put that into into the technical uh side of of creating work i also think that uh this podcast you're kind of the director of it you're the creator you're the director you're the editor as you said and I know how challenging some of the editing can be and how that was definitely (laughs) something that maybe you didn't overlook but you just didn't know much about before I had no idea look I had no idea I also don't have like I'm recording remotely we're recording through zoom right now I know this is I already know that this interview is going to be and fuck ton of editing the thing is the thing is you you did it anyway, you know, and, and that's really amazing. And I just want to salute you for that. Um, it's very inspiring to be a little sister and to have seen you struggle through that. Um, <laughs> was It's a beautiful thing to struggle with. Like, I'm so blessed to have the opportunity to record and that I have a laptop. I have a Wi-Fi connection. I have an interest and I have people responding and that there is space for this podcast. Like there is um, a, um, an audience but yeah. Yeah. What do you think um, there are things that you've learned about yourself from hosting this podcast? I've learned so much about myself. (laughs) I can't, how long do you have? No, I am. I'm a big procrastinator. Mm. I knew that about myself, but now it's become more evident. And I'm also procrastinator in fear of failure. So I'm a self-sabotager for sure. And, um, I've also uh, learned a lot of bravery. And like you said, it is intimidating reaching out to people. Um, Also confronting that I uh, have a very big uh, imposter syndrome. I don't feel worthy, like talking to some of these people. I don't feel like I have the right proper arsenal of information or knowledge or training. Um, But then I always, yeah, I always go back to intuition and I always go back to gut feeling. And I think that, um, this is important. This, these telling of stories, this creating of this, of this platform. And I don't know where it's going to lead to, but, and to see the reaction, to see people listening, to see people being, who are not a part of the film, uh, making industry. And I think that that has also been very important to me is how do I make these conversations as, um, insightful and, uh, meaty for the people who are knowledgeable in this, um, in this industry and still interesting, useful, and um, intriguing to people who are not, right? And to attract more people to this, to this sphere and see the importance of, um, of culture and uh, of film in our day-to-day reality. Definitely. And I think it's worth mentioning that in a way you're also like, we don't come from a family that was in the industry or really has any, um, connections to the arts really we have very supportive parents who have been very open-minded throughout our lives and have urged us to follow our passions or at least try Mm -hmm. uh even though it is known to be very tough and i'm experiencing you know the reality of it now (laughs) auditioning and yeah i mean you graduate you you are in drama school and or even i would say like sometimes i wish i could go back to my 18 year old self before starting drama school and um before reality kicked in and hold on to that piece of, 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 of love and, and uh, belief that anything that can be yours is yours. It's already yours. Just that hope that you feel, it's not even hope. It's like a, 
It is like it's a, a belief. It's, it's a, and, yeah. And I think that you can get that back. And I think it is so important. And I don't think there's anything wrong with believing in your path. Um, but there are obviously realities in the world that also as an 18 year old, you were not aware of. I think, I think I'm a very different person now. I mean, I know I am than I was when I was 18. Um, Definitely. In, my, in my concept and knowledge about how our world works, about how systems work, about the patriarchal white supremacist society that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't understand these things. I didn't know these things. We grew up in a very privileged bubble going to international school, moving as much as we did. And um, definitely I didn't know what I didn't know. And that's also okay. And I think that's important as well, like to, to mess up and to learn and to go outside of what your reality is. And, and, and yeah. film is a way to do that same thing. Yeah, it provides an incredible space. You are so drawn to it because it does, you know, like you're literally watching a a lens. You're literally watching a viewpoint that you might never see in real life. And film, as opposed to theater, does give a different type of intimacy. You it Mm -hmm. take it. You know, in theater, it's um, constructed, and in film, you tend to go to the places. Right, you really get up into the one tear, the one movement, the falling leaf, the little, the cracked floorboard in the kitchen, you get to see this incredible side of, of life. Uh, and, uh, and what is also so interesting to me is the choices that get made and what you see and who is making those choices and why you're seeing what you're seeing and um, the construction, right? It's both, it's the emotion Movies are like the only place I really cry. (laughs) It was for a long time the place that I went to cry because there was this opportunity if it was a very emotional moment for me to release. People are so interesting and the world is so beautiful and so jarring at the same time. And that contradiction, if we're going back to the films that I mentioned earlier. It's definitely interesting that you mentioned Black Swan because Black Swan is also one of my favorite movies Mm-hmm. undoubtedly probably you introduced me to it long ago probably <laughs> but I have seen that movie so many times and every single time I see something new and I don't know what it is about it is just so uh real like the actors also are not hiding um and that's something that I think is so beautiful about film is even like for example Nomadland mm-hmm. Dormant her just her honesty in her acting like this there wasn't any need to when she was listening to a lot of these people's stories in the movie to emote anything that wasn't real she just listened and you when you when it is real for the person behind in front of the camera (laughs) Mm -hmm. it becomes real for the person watching yeah i nomad love is an incredible example of like the perfect concoction of people coming together people who value that um level of honesty and that level of um being and life chloe Tao, who is the director of that um created a movie years ago that actually this should have been on the list i mentioned earlier i've mentioned it as well on the podcast actually uh the movie is called the rider as in the writer, I-R-I-D-E-R. And it's about cowboys in Wyoming, I believe. Might be saying the wrong state, but I think it's Wyoming. Um, uh, one of which you follow who can no longer ride in uh, because if he falls again, he will get seriously injured, brain damage and et cetera. And he confronts his whole identity um, and how he has to navigate that. And it made me want to make movies. It, I think that is the movie that um, I would say I would want to be the author of. It is such an incredible, intimate, and vast movie. It's intimate with the characters and vast in the landscape. Um, and that is another movie that is so highly specific Hmm. super super specific in its location and its storytelling in its um reality of the characters those actors are also non-actors acting for the first time and um uh i'm just really interested in um in that level of of uh, specificity yeah 
I've mentioned it now a lot, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I so I've collected some questions from your listeners, and um, this is very exciting. I'm excited. I'm thrilled. I one am question enthusiastic. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> um, putting on some lip balm because I got sunburned this weekend. Wear your sunscreen, children. Yes, it's very important to wear sunscreen. And Even my lips are dry. When it is overcast. Even when it's overcast. He tells you this, but it's true. All right. There's a theory. I have a question for people out there. There's a, my, our mom has a theory. We were all born with very blue eyes. I think you lesser but our little brother carlos and me had very blue eyes and we grew up in very sunny places and we always refused to wear sunglasses according to our mother (laughs) and she thinks the reason our eyes are less blue today is because we didn't wear sunglasses you know i think about this every single time i go out the house and don't bring bring my sunglasses i think really you think about that that much i think about it a lot (laughs) Because I, I think like, about it when I see photos of my eyes sometimes. I'm like, and I, am I ruining my eyes? Younger color, but I don't. I don't know if. if the, that but then I'm like, is that true? So, question: Is our mother correct? A lot of babies got born with very blue eyes, so I think that maybe our eyes just changed, and our mom. That's true. Had although we, I had like, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not talking about baby, baby. I mean, I'm I'm talking like I was 12. I think I still had pretty, oh, okay. really blue eyes, and I don't not like pretty, but like pretty blue eyes and um they're not they're kind of gray now so well anyway i so, i color aside back to the listeners question so how have you met some of the people on your podcast um it's been a couple of different ways i have either met them in person at a film festival um or seen some of their work and reached out surprisingly people seem to answer a lot through instagram which i didn't anticipate going into this i thought i would have to find agent numbers and emails and there have been a couple episodes that have happened that way however instagram has been the most direct line to some of so funny yeah and i've actually had a couple people that um have been on the podcast through pr agencies so people have reached out to me especially at the second season um which is really exciting because it means that the podcast is being seen and it's provided me with an incredible opportunity to chat with people that I didn't know. Like I didn't know um, uh, who they were and I'd seen some of their work, but didn't realize that that was their work. Mm-hmm. And um, that has been a really fun way for me to meet some people. It's a, very, it's a big honor to meet people that way. Could you take us through how you would create an episode from start to finish? Just yeah i mean so let's say i watched a short the other day that i really enjoyed and i looked up the director it happened to be a woman i reached out to her through instagram i heard back i got her email i sent her um, a follow-up email with a couple links to previous episodes why the podcast exists uh why i created it and if they want to hop on a quick zoom call if possible it's not always possible for a preliminary chat And in these prelims, I chat about um, why In Her Lens um, exists today and kind of my goals with it and if that aligns with them. And then we kind of create a run down together. Um, We, if there's, there are a couple things that I really want to chat about. Are they okay with chatting about that? And do they want to, and are there things they really want to chat about? It's very important to me that this podcast is a collaboration. Although I'm interviewing, if there are parts um, of their career they really want to highlight or if there's a film that they've seen or a book that they've read that they want to talk about or a news article or anything that's happening in the world so that it really becomes something that is useful for the podcast and for me and for them and that um, it's insightful all around and that conversations are being had that are wanted you know oh yeah and then okay so I'm doing a rundown so after the preliminary chat we set a date we, or we find a date sometimes this gets rearranged as as life happens and we record through zoom and usually it's like an hour and a half something like that uh ahead of the interview i'm skipping a whole part i watch all of their work <laughs> i watch their previous films i watch shorts everything that's available online i read other interviews and i listen to other podcasts if they have been on a podcast before what is already available online because I do want this to be a fun conversation for them and they're getting asked questions that they haven't been asked before. And I want it to be a unique experience for the listener. 
I, I think it's important to value the artistry that they are and the development that they've made. And so um, watching you know, career arsenal. So I do all of that. And then I create, I write out some of the questions, kind of highlight three or four main things that I want to talk about. So I create all of that in a Google doc. And then I try to like, um, word count it down. I try to really make sure that I have prompts on a Google doc, um, but that I'm not just reading out questions and that there's ample space to bounce around being present and not just listing things out. It's really an, uh, an art <laughs> and it's difficult. And interviewing takes a lot more than I ever thought. So I have utmost respect for people who do that every day. Uh, then I edit everything on Adobe Audition. Um, I have the music and then I record voiceovers for the intro and outro in a closet or under <laughs> a chair with a blanket, anything to make the sound good. And uh, I use Acast. Acast is a um, publishing platform for podcasts. There it is. It's online. And then you create Instagram posts. It, I mean, the list that goes on, the Instagram posts is the, obviously the episode cover. I kind of provide some swipey swipes to see some, um, some further that? content. <laughs> and stories, Instagram stories, making sure that there is an audio over the Instagram story so that everyone can kind of get a touch on the episode, see if you're interested. And uh, that's kind of the workflow of creating an episode. Have you ever had to deal with any critique? And if so, how, how have you dealt with that? I've definitely had a feedback on bad audio. <laughs> I've had feedback on um, me saying the same words, uh, me kind of structuring <laughs> certain questions, the same. Um, uh, will you share a little bit about that? Let's hop in. Um, let's switch gears. It's kind of like going to drama school and everyone's like, oh, I'm just going to piggyback off of that. And yeah, just hopping off of that and that whole yeah. kind of concept. It's really easy to get uh, caught in a similar structure. And so con constantly for myself, sitting down, having a little bit of an intervention and being like, okay, what, um, how am I going to do this conversation and how does it differ? I mean, you're able to interview anybody that's anywhere in the world, which is great. Yeah. And like, like going back to how we grew up, um, having this podcast be as international as, um, involved with people from all around the world, huge priority for me because it's part of, um, the DNA of who I am. One question was, what would you say has been challenging about running your own podcast? We kind of already covered this a little bit, but maybe you just have some like- uh, Maybe like a little specific, I mean, not having one location. So setting up every single time and trying to do like good audio mm -hmm. um, room uh, temping or whatever it's called, sound, audio proofing my room. Um, I've had definitely moments where I've had to reschedule interviews and ended up, I mean, I've recorded in the wildest of places. A friend of ours, um, a family friend runs pottery studio. I've recorded two interviews in her pottery studio. <laughs> that has been a challenging thing. Um, also, yeah, the editing is something that I've learned. Um, it's going a lot better than it did in the beginning. And honestly, doing it all alone. Um, apart from my cousin who does all the incredible marketing, shout out Lara Römer. She's based in Utrecht. Incredible She's an incredible illustrator. illustrator. Um, but doing and the outreach and the interview prep, um, doing the interview, um, editing, and then all the marketing that just running all of that is highly complex next to just a day job, you know? Definitely. And, and, do you ever struggle with um like picking what to like what to use out of the interview because there must be like, yeah a lot of i mean some there. there have been interviews that have lasted two hours and as much as i have loved getting to know these women and love getting to know that woman specifically i can't uh, a two-hour podcast is just a little bit too long so then it becomes about discerning what goes in and what what um will be of value to mm -hmm. others and not just just fun and interesting to me because i happen to be a part of that conversation another question is what was one of the funniest bts moments um, behind the scenes for everyone who doesn't know what bts stands for <laughs> bts behind the scenes let me think about that for a second i mean in an interview or like in the in the making of I've had dogs break in. I've had um, my, so I, I use a VPN. Um, 
Apparently it's good for your internet privacy, but I really use it to get on different Netflixes around the world <laughs> and uh, to get on my Hulu account sure. so I can watch Bachelor, which is one of my guilty pleasures. Um, and uh, it does mess up with your, inter- uh, with your internet sometimes. So my Zoom quitting in the middle. These are not funny moments, really. I mean, the dog was funny. The dog is definitely funny. You All can right. hear him too. Anyway. We have a question from Freeba. Hi. She said, as a regular listener, I continually get something out of your podcast, listening to powerful, creative, strong women and being able to relate to some of their stories about overcoming certain obstacles to reach their dreams and goals. It gives me comfort and a wonderful sense of peace. Have you experienced similar things? What have you been getting out of your podcast in this extremely difficult year slash years? <laughs> Firstly, those are really wonderful words on the podcast. And that gives me a lot of comfort um, hearing from people who are listening that they enjoy the episodes. Um, That is why I make them, you know, um, to share them with communities, especially for people who aren't necessarily in the filmmaking community. Freeba is a doctor in training. So I'm very happy to hear um, her experience. Uh, I have received a lot of comfort from. the conversations that I've had because they've reminded me about the treacherous journey that is life, the treacherous journey that is being an artist. Um, they've inspired me um, talking to some of the women about, um, you know, the steps they've taken and the falls they've made and the, um, you know, scra- scrabbling up from the ground and, and, and getting back to, um, to what they love. Uh, some moments like that have been, you know, Sarah Dina Smith, uh, the last episode of, of the first season and um, all the work that she has done to get to where she is today about also Elizabeth uh, Ronald's daughter um, being diagnosed with cancer and still editing Deadpool 2. Um, I need to decide in her incredible journey as a composer and her love following her passion. I mean, every single one of these women, I can't pick one has inspired me in a different way. Um, this year, I think the first year of Corona, we were all, or of COVID, we were all navigating what it means to live in a world that is a pandemic (laughs) or living through a pandemic And this second year, which it has been now, especially since kind of, I would say November, December, until summer, we had a very long lockdown in the Netherlands and um, a curfew and um, losses of people. And the podcast was the one thing that was happening in my life actively that still connected me to my life back in New York that still connected me to my artistry as I was navigating my own personal um, hardships and my own personal, uh, like I said, finding of my roots. Um, I felt pretty in limbo that uh, for this, this past year. since since COVID actually I felt in limbo in that way and um, this podcast has been the place I get to go to and put on my professional suits and put on um, my armor and put on my passion and uh, express that Um, and so as difficult as it has been in terms of finding people and uh, recording and editing and all of that it has been um, a lifeline Mm. a complete lifeline for me that's incredible Freebill is also wondering how you find the motivation to take on such a huge project on your own she said she finds herself often distracted not being able to get things done unless they have a debt unless she has a deadline from an outside institution or a party or someone yeah this is true i was talking about it with one of my housemates actually because i saw this meme I put it on my Instagram story a while ago that said I didn't want a nine to five and now I work 24 <laughs> seven, which I think is so true mm-hmm. because not only do I now have a nine to five, but I also have this podcast and other stuff uh, happening on other projects. And I was working on a beautiful Sunday afternoon. I mean, 
it doesn't the sun does not shine a lot in the netherlands uh unfortunately <laughs> especially not this year for some reason last year it was very nice but we had a terrible summer this year and um I, it was finally sunny and I had to edit my podcast and I was sitting um, at the kitchen table with a coffee and a water and a tea. I have many beverages always when I'm working. Mm-hmm. Um, she was off to go have a drink somewhere and she's like, come along. And it was really one of those moments where I was like, this is my priority. And the reason why it's my priority is I think because it's my real true passion mm-hmm. is storytelling. And this, as much as I am an actor and I miss that part of myself so deeply and I'm very much looking forward to getting back to that. This is a version of that. Mm-hmm. Like you said a little bit earlier in terms of directing and, and um, shaping this podcast, it is um, the one thing I have right now that I really get to um, own Um, many skills that I built when I was in university and the interests that I have in terms of storytelling. Um, So I try to remember that there are people listening. (laughs) I try to remember why I started it in the first place. I really value the time of the women who do choose to come into the podcast and I want to honor that. And I think the podcast when I don't have an interview lined up and nothing is really happening, which I had in between season one and season two, I had to remember, um, uh, you know, the things that I value, I need to carry forth. Our mom, our parents, our, our life motto and our family for, were two things. Alles zal recht komen, which is an old South African saying, saying everything will be um, right. aligned. Mm-hmm. Everything yeah. will be all right. And there's another saying that is in Dutch, um, verander de wereld, begin by yourself. <laughs> Which our mom would always say, change the world, start with yourself. And a lot of things in how the way the world functions today and how it has um, really frustrate me and hurt me. And I find myself a really enraptured in news and... Um, uh, lots of tragedy and that that happens and I feel very helpless in in many ways uh, against bigger institutions as I, as many people do and there are many things that I would like to achieve um, in and be a part of achieving to better this world and the podcast is a small niche tiny part that I can do to help in some kind of way to create some kind of space and to um, uh, like the sharing of the stories. If I learn something from them, if that, if one story can help one person pursue their passion or help one person get up, if one, it helps one person understand, Oh, that one moment, or, Oh, I should pick that up again, even if it has nothing to do with filmmaking or if it has everything to do with filmmaking, um, if it helps you pursue your passion, if it just gets you motivated again to pick it up, or if you're in the middle of production and you need a tip about something like these are things that, um, uh, I, I, by putting the podcast out there, I can control and helping. And, um, I think that's why. I also have a question from, um, Jessica. I'm going to ask it in Dutch first, just because that's how she asked the question and I want to honor that. And then I'll just translate it into English. What I want to know is if she can make this podcast not so leuk vindt that she here has behoop van to make. Interviews, podcasts, etc. For internet, krant, tv, radio. Voelde die zich hier comfortabel bij? Wordt ze hier blij van? What Jessica is asking is whether the interview part of what Nadine is doing might not be something that she she'd want to pursue, like uh, interviewing people on TV or for a newspaper. Professionally, or, professionally, which I actually think is an interesting question because I know, obviously, because I know you so well. <laughs> You were interesting in, interested in journalism as well at one point, right? As like maybe a... Uh, um. Yeah. Um, I am very passionate about, um, yeah, about journalism and about human rights. And um, I haven't found the way to uh, weave that into my life. But it is something that is very, very important to well, me. Well, I think this and, is the way of you doing that. Right. And I think that creating the podcast is um, about women filmmakers involves those two sides of, of, of who I am. Um, 
I love getting to know people. I love meeting new people. I think also in the way I grew up, I met a lot of new people every single day. <laughs> I think living mm -hmm. in New York, you meet new people every single day. <laughs> and um, I love that about the podcast. I think that I'm very interested in many different things and interviewing permanently professionally is not something I want to pursue because I think there are people that are much better at that. And I also really want to be a part of the action. These are like the two thoughts that I always have is, um, is the interest in telling, uh, being a part of telling stories and, and, um, building a space that is, uh, inclusive, that is, uh, involved that people can go to. That is really important to me. But I also, when I'm interviewing this woman, um, there's always a silent, the voice in the back of my head. That's like, Oh, or I have plans. I, I know I have plans about creating my own work in terms of filmmaking and in terms of acting. And um, I'm also very much looking for, uh, for that still. I like the balance of questioning and then creating. And I don't want to lose the creating part. And I'm, look, I'm, I'm navigating that right now. Yes, and you're also doing this for free, right? Which is something that is That's should true. be overlooked. Like it's a lot of time. And, and energy to be putting into something that is not, you're not getting paid for, uh, which is a whole other conversation about. But that is something, I mean, and, and like we can talk about it for a little bit. I think it is really important to note that, yes, this podcast has not been monetized at this time. And so it is for me and from Lara and from Daniela Wiegener, who did the music, this is something that we are all a part of because we're passionate about it. Yeah. And I would love to eventually monetize in some sort because I think exposure doesn't pay the bills. And this is highly important to me as an actor and for as an artist. And so as people are coming on, I would like to be able to offer an honorarium, things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, that is the next step. But right now, also, this was all navigating how this even works. And so I have some questions from Marget as well. Um, we did kind of cover this, but she would this love is really exciting. <laughs> I don't um, know who sent in questions, so I'm really um, thrilled to hear that Jessica and Marget did. Don't you know? The other questions as well were uh, from, uh, well, I'll, I can just tell you who they're from later, but Moot sent in a bunch of questions, <laughs> and it was actually her idea to do the rap, uh, rapid fire questions. Moot is Muriel, uh, who is um, my one of my housemates. Anyway, Hi, Moot. So Marget would love to know, what do you think are the key things or most important things that you want listeners to take away from your podcast? The importance of representation behind the camera and in front of the camera. I think in many ways, a lot of discussions that are happening right now in, um, you know, circles around is representation on camera, but representation behind camera is so important. I think people don't, if you, and I didn't, I mean, this is not a, a negative thing, but I didn't know that either about filmmaking, about how many people are behind the movies, right? And where the decisions lie. And I think the biggest takeaway I want people to have is understanding the different roles that exist in, in creating a film and um, the, the journey that is um, in creating a, a career out of it, the place that film has in our, in our um, society and in our culture, uh, really valuing the human behind the work. You know, and many discussions that we have on the podcast end up being about representation in different forms, whether it's about uh, gender, but also very much about race and sexuality and things like this. Uh, but it's really about the work it's about the work that they do. I mean, it's all intersectional, right? You can't have... 100%. I think intersectionality is um, missing in, uh, uh, sometimes. And I think this podcast, uh, what I want people to take away... How do I say this? Well, you said it just now. You kind of already said it. Yeah, I think, you know, In Her Lens was born to... And then this is in the trailer as well, but to amplify and um, celebrate. Hmm the work of underrepresented voices in film. And right now in her lens is focused in the notion of specificity on women's voices. Mm -hmm. But that is something I definitely want to expand. There are so many people and so many interesting people and so many interesting stories to, um, to be heard, mm -hmm. but understanding that there are people behind the work and how that affects the work, how we all have a certain calling or a certain pursuance that was given to us by whether it's a higher power, whatever you want to believe, whether it was something that you grew into, but knowing, uh, exploring that concept, valuing 
your work mm-hmm. and valuing the place of the work in um, in our communities. Jake also was wondering if you could tell us about a moment that you were uh, surprised by how touched you were by what someone said. Mm, I want to go back in terms of that, I want to go back to the very first episode with Shinwei. Shinwei is somebody that I actually met at South by Southwest in 2018, 2019, sorry, I keep saying that wrong. At the time, she was working on her short. Shinwei is somebody who, she's now working on another film actually called Elephant. She shared a lot about her struggle and pursuance of the thing that she loves and trying to raise money and uh, about crowdfunding and the honesty that she carried in that. And because I know her personally as well, that interview and because it's also the first episode, I think um, her sharing and being so honest about what it really takes, especially if, I mean, it takes a lot anyway, but especially, especially if you come from a family who is not, in the industry, a world that is not a Coppola family, for example, what does it really take? And how do you feel in those moments? People treating your work like it's a hobby, having a daytime job, things like that. Um, that is something I always think back on, on that conversation because everything also, because it was the first one, it's as authentic to why I created the podcast in the first place. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I would say that um, Shinwei. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, that's all the questions that I, I have. Um, it was truly so <laughs> fun. It was truly an honor. An honor. <laughs> but uh, no, it was, it was really fun to hop on your podcast um, and talk to you. I want to thank you, Paula, for, uh, thank you for asking me the questions that you did. And I hope that this was insightful or I don't even know, entertaining. I loved speaking to you this way and I hope that people will love uh, having a listen. Looking forward to it. Thank you for joining Paula and I. Make sure to hit the subscribe button, hit the little bell. The little bell will give you notification when a new episode is live. Also take a minute and leave a review. I know that this is really annoying and people ask you to do that all the time, but it is the only way that the podcast charts will see us they will hear us and it's the way to get to more ears so leave a quick review leave a five-star rating on apple podcasts it's a free app to download you can tag me at nadine rumor on instagram or the podcast at in her lens podcast stay tuned for supercut it's coming supercut will be the last episode of this season so i look forward to sharing that so i'll be choosing three themes and um assembling uh, a fun short episode for you all that was the last sip of my gin and tonic <laughs> done and done and, uh, in true nadine style cheers bye cheers bye <laughs>